FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 494 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked, I'm your host Jason, and I have with me, at long last... One half of the Escalabros, Mr. Dan Cole. Dan, how are you? I'm okay. Thank you very much. There's yeah. only a half of me. I was going to say there's only a half of me, but there's a full me, but only a half of a bro. Right. <laughs> One of the two <laughs> bros. <laughs> but, but full uh, bro power. Until I haven't podcasted in a while, I'll make no sense. Um, <laughs> Awesome. Well, um, we are, you know, they say that there's nothing like, um, oh, I had a cool little phrase to say, now I already forgot it. Um, there's nothing like adding a party to a party or having, uh, having a party for a party. So um, to celebrate 10 years of the podcast of Ghost Knit, we're going to talk about the X-Men Hellfire Gala. Um, and I wanted uh, Dan to come on. Um, because we've been covering or were covering these books. I know it's been a while since it's been a while since we got to some of these, but, um, you know, wanted, wanted him to come join us. And also I was thinking about like some of my favorite episodes over the last 10 years. And we've had some really, really good ones. Um, and lots of wonderful, wonderful guests. But one of the ones that still sticks out in my mind and, and Dan probably will remember and probably will groan a little bit, but we did like, I had to split it in half. We did like a, four-hour episode on the original Secret Wars that <laughs> is still <laughs> it's still one of our most popular episodes as far as downloads go. So, um, so oh. yeah, so we, I, I think <laughs> we were just so nuts, and that comic series is just so nuts that people just love hearing about it. But, um, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we, uh, man, we talked about that for a long time. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. So happy, uh, happy ten year anniversary to the podcast, um, Dan. Thanks for celebrating with me. I'm happy, happy ten years. As if it's been ten years. That's amazing. That's astonishing. Think of all those years ago. We 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 graced each other's paths on uh, when I was on Inner Comics. It's, it feels like um, it feels like a decade. But, it really does. Uh, well, it feels like a lifetime. <laughs> 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 you know, in, in both good ways and bad ways, it feels like I've been doing this show forever. So, <laughs> well, it's always been a privilege to be on on and talk, allowing me to talk about when uh, good or bad or secret was, um, which I'll never talk about again. So, right. <laughs> so I, I, <laughs> I promise it will not be a quiz. Uh, we will we will leave that in the uh, the epic past where it belongs. <laughs> Awesome. But we are going to talk about three comics, one of which is really, really big. Um, we have the X-Men Hellfire Gala and then kind of two tie-ins, um, you know, more directly. And there are, there are a lot of kind of tangential issues to the gala, but two direct tie-ins with uh, Immortal X-Men number four. And much, much later, like, so so the gala came out, like, actually probably a couple months ago um, with my 
uh, unplanned break I got behind, and I'm catching up. But then we have a a issue that literally happens right out of the pages. There's even an editor's note that says, go see blah, blah, blah. That came out last week, which is Amazing Spider-Man number nine. So I think they just had to finish whatever story they were doing first. But, man, it took a while to get there. I was like, If I had read the gala when it first came out, and then read Amazing Spider-Man last week, I would have been like, uh, I'm going to have to go back and put through the gala. I don't remember what happened. <laughs> but Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's crazy that that's the release schedule. Uh, to be honest, because um, I flipped it through the gala and stuff, not to, to spoil this, but looking at the end of the gala, I was like, oh my God, has it been that long since the gala ended and AVX is or whatever it's called is happening right now? <laughs> like, like a perpetual event that has started like months and months ago. Yeah. But... Yeah, Axe Mutant Body Spray is still going. So. Yeah. Oh my God! Um, it is Axe, isn't it? Yeah. 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 In, in our in our, in our country, it's called Lynx, L Y N X. Um, the same uh, the same brand. But, the teenage cologne is yeah. called Lynx in over there. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, Lynx. It's the exact. It looks exactly the same. I'm pretty sure it's the same thing, but it's actually called <laughs> Lynx in mine. <laughs> I guess actually, Lynx is probably cooler. <laughs> Axe is definitely more American. We got that uh, video game violence um, <laughs> thing. Lynx is kind of more badass. Like, I hope, please tell me the logo is like a bobcat and sunglasses. I wish it was. Um, ours have like different flavors, but they're named after like really weird things. Like one's literally named, well, one used to be named Africa. It's, but I don't know if it's supposed to smell like Africa. That oh, sounds like a bad, bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it was like because there's like normal ones like gold or like freeze dry or whatever. But then there was like Africa and like other country names and stuff, which seemed really odd. Um, but people yeah. bought, people still buy it. That so. seems like it could be Crazy. potentially super offensive, but. Um... <laughs> This is what Africans smell like. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to be in charge of uh, coming up with that scent or writing that the marketing for that. But um, no, it's funny. We have one of the axe ones over here is called a uh, Guitar Hero, and they have a guy playing a guitar solo like in silhouette, but he's not playing a guitar. He's playing a bass. It doesn't have enough uh, strings or machine heads on it to be <laughs> a guitar. So it's just like there's our our can't be great guitar players and there are bands that have people that do solos on bass. It's just kind of one of those weird, like anachronistic, they didn't really do their research, but, um, you know, whatever. So. No. But yeah, we'll, we'll save some more ax talk for <laughs> when I eventually get to that. But, um, the gala was, man, it was a lot or a lot of pages anyway. Um, yeah. So I know I've been, kind of playing catch up and doing some sprinting as I like to call it some podcast sprints through uh reign of X. Um, so starting kind of where we left off when we last recorded, um, which was Inferno up through the gala kind of once I kind of, I'm cheating. I already know some of the answer, but <laughs> for the listeners sake, why don't you go and talk about just kind of what your overall feelings have been uh, on that segment of books. Um, it's like a haze. Uh, <laughs> Inferno ended. In, Inferno ends, and um, 
picked up like, like a few elements on 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 the council and new war chiefs or commanders or whatever they call themselves and um like a new secret and charles and eric being pushed to the the side and and all the new books that sort of came with it uh, um so i believe x-men they relaunched x-men red and such off and i feel like a lot of those books feel like they've died now or, or like they, like all the promise seems to have just vanished and, and like the fun um in more x-men's interesting uh in places and i still enjoy x-men red but i feel like a lot of the books um, and they're like they're being stealth cancelled. Spoilers for just after the gala. The fact that like um, Knights of X is gone, and it looks like um, Legion of X or whatever it's called is, is on its way out, and right. like nothing's re- nothing's really replacing them. Um, it, I don't know. It just feels like the Xbox sort of um, rudderless. Sure. Yeah, and the gala was supposed. To, the gala was supposed to sort of feel like uh, it was putting in a new direction. And I feel like some of the story choices, because we had death of death and lives of Wolverine in between. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yep. Um, yep. 10 lives, 10 deaths. I felt, I felt like, I felt like that was just really unnecessarily convoluted. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> necessarily bad. It was just unnecessary. And, and it's such a lazy, it's a lazy, uh, what's the wrestling term? Uh, heel turn from Moira. Um, I feel like it's pretty lazy just to go. Oh, right, she's evil. Because I think we all guessed that she'd join Orcus or like help yes. Orcus. We all guessed that. Um, and I don't know. It just felt like the the it's all got on a bit sort of flabby and like a bit bland. Um, especially when like other book, other other comic books are just heads and heads and tails better than it now like there's not many of the books like catching my interest i still read them all but i get quite bored quite quickly so, yeah. That's mommy. <laughs> 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 yeah no i hear you i definitely i got the same thing there's um i'm still I, my favorites have been um Dugan's X-Men, X-Men Red, and Immortal X-Men for sure. And some of the other books have, have not been bad, but definitely seem to lack some of the momentum. Um, I think as as Georgie would say if he was here, they built a lot of momentum um, through Hawks Fox and kind of gradually squandered some of it away. Um, I'm probably a little more on the positive side for the books than him, but um, I don't disagree with the sentiment at all. <laughs> so. Um, well, um- I will say one thing though is that ultimate is it if you have uh, Marvel Unlimited, uh, the Infinity comics of the X Men have been, on the most part, the best X Men bu- books on a weekly basis. And yeah. um, if you if you have a chance to read X Men, no, sorry, Marvel Voices, um, the Iceman Marvel Voices is really good. Um, yes, it is. And a lot of the other voices that came after Young Avengers and Merkel Chavez have been really decent, like, random stories. And I've even been enjoying a lot of the, like, Avengers Infinity comics, all the new sort of Infinity comics that have nothing to do with, like, the, the normal release stuff. I've actually <laughs> been enjoying a lot more um, than, the, like, the Marvel's most output. Um, right. But I think my... my, my I, there's an issue of X-Men, which I believe is just before the Gala, where... All of the X Men 
randomly talk about how they no longer want to be on the team. Yes. It, feels, yeah. it, felt, it felt very much like... It felt very shoehorned in of like, well, I'm not here now. Um, I don't want... like. It felt more like Duggan himself was saying why he doesn't want to write these characters. And, <laughs> uh, and, and I think it was Sunfire, which made me laugh, because I was like, what have you actually done in the so many issues you've been in? <laughs> like, to be like, I'm bo- I've, I've done my part, I should move on. And it, and it just felt like um, Polaris, who was obviously put on the roster by the fans, and Sunfire are literally just gone, uh, it feels like they're just being put back on the shelf. And right. just to be in the back in the background, and Rogue's going off to be important with Destiny, and um, yeah, it just felt very much like these people just aren't in it anymore uh, for no real reason. But we'll just say, they'll just say while we're having a fight why we don't want to be in it anymore. And I feel like taking Laura away from the limelight is a really bad move. And then putting her in that, um, I don't know if you've read. Uh, not yet. I have it, but I haven't read it yet. Uh, the, well, I'll wait till I get there. The Exterminators. Um, it feels like if you ever watched the Justice League Unlimited episode where um, the bad guys make all the female superheroes fight, it feels like that's where it's going. <laughs> oh, oh boy! So, but I don't know. It just has. It, I shouldn't have read it because I, I realized when I was halfway through it who was actually writing it, and it feels like them. That I'm gotcha. probably not going to. I'm, I'm probably not going to continue. Um, I know George would be disappointed in me. We would <laughs> but, um, I, yeah. Yeah, he, he probably will. He'll, he'll want you to be miserable and keep reading. <laughs> I'll yeah. let him know the, to put on the docket for the next Scalabros episode. <laughs> uh, I don't know. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah, I think we're... In fairly similar places, so we'll go ahead and jump into the gala itself. And there's a lot of people that worked on this. So, um, Time Flies When You're a Mutant, uh, written by Gary Dugan, art by Chris Aka, Russell Dodderman, Matteo Lawley, and C.F. Mia. Uh, colors by Ray Barreto, Frank Martin, Matt Mia, and Matthew Wilson. Uh, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, woohoo! Designed by Tom Mueller and Jay Bowen, or Bowen, I'm not sure. Um, then cover by Dodderman and Wilson. Um, and the cover's just it's, uh, a few mutants in their X-Men regalia. I'm sorry, in their uh, gala regalia. That's hard to say together. Um, we have Cyclops and Emma dancing in the fire. <coughs> Excuse me. And they're flanked by Magic. Uh, Wolverine, Laura, and Sink. What do you think of the cover? Uh, I don't. I start them, so I love it. Um, but I, I do like sort of the semi-thematic ideas that there's a crack in the galas, um, uh, whatever you call that symbol, and like, the death, yeah. yeah, and and the flower is dying, and the fire slowly burning them away. Like like um, the concept that the the party is actually over for the mutants now, right? And that, um, we may not get. Another Hellfire Gala. I don't know, I don't know how it's going to work. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like it's trying to show like the important pe- players of this issue, but unfortunately, Laura might as well not be on the front cover if that's okay. Right. Other um, than her costume, just badass. But yeah, her and Sing look just amazing. <laughs> um, I just, yes, they do. Magic, I feel like, was better last year than this one, but 
that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think the, the mouth thing's kind of cool, but no, I agree. It's a little bit of a step down. But, you know, you got to keep drawing new costumes, so, you know, not everything's going to be a home run. But All right, so what, I, what I'm going to do, Dan, is I'm just going to, I'm going to blitz through the bajillion uh, story beats here, and then when I'm done, you can tell me what you liked and what you didn't like. Does that sound good? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, cool. All right, <clears throat> here we go. So right before the Hellfire Gala, the news article breaks about mutant resurrection. The first Orcus text piece is disgusting, but sounds like something you might really hear in the real world. Uh, different heroes react to the news. Uh, Moira, of course, like you mentioned, joins Orcus and reveals her plans to quote-unquote wear Mary Jane to the gala. Bishop pleads with the Quiet Council to cancel the gala, but they refuse. Emma argues that showcasing how their medicine helps humans is perfect PR. Bishop acquiesces, but insists that the five stay hidden and protected until this all blows over. The five are upset at missing the party. Uh, at the gala, Emma gives Scott the cold shoulder before she flirts with uh, Madman's John Hamm. Uh, Clea asks uh, Emma to bring back Doctor Strange, but she can't and blows her off. Um, and we'll get to later the, the story beat about whether a resurrection can't or won't be used on humans. Um, anyway, uh, Spidey spider sense goes off on Mary Jane. Uh, Dr. Doom looks awesome. Forge gives Cyclops shit for not apologizing to everyone. Uh, Moira as MJ reveals herself to Proteus. Stark and Reed worry about mutant power. Emma and Fei Long spar verbally. Stark advises Emma, then calls her out for taking memories from Reed. Doug casually tells Spidey that MJ has been tapping SOS on her champagne glass and Morse code. Moira goads Proteus until Spidey swings in to save Mary Jane. The five come to calm Proteus down. Logan pops his claws on Moira Jane to stall her so Grey, Co Grey Crow can track her. Then he and Spidey run off to Amazing Spider-Man number nine, which we'll get to here shortly. Um, Cyclops dances with Emma so he can telepathically show her all he's learned, including the sinister but truth about Dr. Stasis. In return, Emma quote-unquote shows Cyclops the truth about Krakoa and Moira. Did Xavier and Magneto reboot the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants when I wasn't looking as a priceless line from Cyclops? Um, aside, uh, Laura, Laura not, not Laura, that's not a word. Um, Laura dances with Gabby. The new X-Men are announced at Cyclops, Gene, Sink, Forge, Magic, Havoc, Firestar, and Iceman. There's a mystery levied between Xavier and Forge. Stark suggests that Firestar be an Avengers mole, uh, not knowing what Logan is up to, I guess. Um, Emma assigns Bishop to rescue Mary Jane and kill Moira. Moira seemingly having just murdered Mary Jane. Uh, she didn't. <clears throat> but anyway, she approaches the Eternals and suggests that mutants are really just deviants. Segway to Axe. There's a lot. <laughs> a lot of little things. Um you you, so missed, you missed you missed two. Oh, what I miss? Did you say that um, Everett has problems with his powers if he uses muscle oh. memory? Yes, and that's right. Yeah. Him. And then the other one is Doctor Stasis plants something or takes something from one of the uh, medicine gardens. 
I think that's what he's doing. Very oh. vague. There's a page where there's him and some weird little robots, and he like pulls something. That's right. Delivering a payload. It feels like it's Cocoon that he's stealing from. <laughs> Cocoon he's stealing from. But he's a mutant, so he can do what he wants. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And that and this, the sink part is interesting because basically the idea is that when he can absorb powers, and then he can now he's discovered he can go back and access old powers. But when Which he does it that Some. way, it hurts him, I guess. And it reminds me of, um, oh god, I can't believe it reminds me of this. In Extreme X Men, when Sage gave Rogue the ability to access everyone she's ever absorbed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why I should remember that, but I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's because Salvador La Roca drew, drew a mean Rogue back in the day, and it was fun seeing her access, like, Hulk and other things right. at the same time. So, Teenage me was on um, whatever age I was when <laughs> Extreme X Men came out in the early 2000s. <laughs> but, yeah. but yes, that was a happy bunny the next but um, I'll I'll say one thing: it looks lovely. Like yes. for the most part, it's really nice. Um, apart from John Ham's face, scares me. Um, <laughs> like, I generally feel like you know, like the last Hellfire Gala was quite like quite gratuitous. Um, with its cameos, mm-hmm. um, and this is just like John Hamm. And then if you blink and miss it, you'll miss um, John and B White. Is it B White or D White? Um, uh, I pa- think talking to talking to Gwenpool, right? Um, which I think is a, like a in joke because he's really good friends with Leah Williams, who did the recent Gwenpool yes. um, comic. And yeah, yeah, there's the whole thing that yeah. But um, I actually think like all the costumes i think everyone looks great in all of the like regalia um i kind there's quite a lot of really fun pieces of dialogue that duggan does which is more like character based like i right. generally love emma's reaction to the front page um while it has while she's just putting her, her hands in <laughs> i feel like that's a great line much like the cyclops one you mentioned um however i feel like there's too much it I, this is the problem I have with all those Marvel, like, um, I don't know, uh, point ones or um, free comic book, like, random magazines where it's just, like, a couple of pages and this is a story that we continued elsewhere. It just, and I just felt like it was, like, um, too much setup and the tiny payoff of the actual roster is, and the fact that, the roster, to me personally, the roster is really lackluster for the X-Men. It doesn't feel as um, grandiose or, or as impressive or interesting as the potential of the last roster mm-hmm. because it just, because even just on a, like a power set level, I feel like they randomly cancel each other out. Some of them, like why is Havoc and Cyclops on the same team? Right. Well, hopefully for, hopefully for like brotherly um, drama and the fact that Havoc is like, like a washout and and in Krakoa he's been like labeled what useless because he's one of the Hellions or whatever they were designed right. for um but uh, to, to talk about the only thing anyone talked about after this book was released which is the roster um I feel like Iceman was picked because Firestar's there so it's a nod to the whole amazing friends business 
Right. Uh, and maybe because Duggan was under fire for not using, or maybe it was just me calling Duggan out for never using Iceman when he had Iceman for like 800 issues. <laughs> but um, it, it feels very much that I, Iceman stars kind of on the rise because his um, Infinity comic and his redesign, uh, recent, recent redesign, has been like everywhere on the internet. Everyone's like really. Because well, it's gorgeous for one thing. That art um, is freaking amazing. But... Yeah, the, yeah um, fantastic. So I feel like um, he, he's like done really well, maybe in numbers wise. Like, mm-hmm. it, so maybe that's why he's been placed. Um, but it feels very much a reaction to Firestar Fire being voted on. I felt Firestar being personally, it's great. I, I think it's great that there's another ex Avenger on the team of uh, like replacing Verg as an ex Avenger mm-hmm. um, on the team. But um, I voted personally. I voted for M, and I'd rather have had a, a Generation X reunion between M and Sync than anything else. But right. um, but um, I think there's potential there. And Forge is very 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 much the wild card choice. Um, I know people would say Magic is the wild card choice, but I I'm re- I'm literally rereading Wolverine and the X Men, and Magic is essentially like Cyclops's bodyguard for pretty much five years in the, um, <laughs> between like between like uh she's on the um Kieran Gillen's team and then straight on to Bendis's team um right. like so I don't feel like she's well, the Bendis team she's just the snarky teleporter exactly and, and that's like um, her one note on that like whole run <laughs> it's, it's totally true and I feel like um because I've seen her on X team an, an actual X-Men team for ages it doesn't feel unnatural or weird to have right. her there uh, Forge is the only one out of all of them that like that seems like the most interesting choice. Uh, much like um, last year, it was I thought uh, Sync was the most interesting choice. Right. The I feel like Forge might be the good, undisputed like wild card. Hopefully, if it goes <laughs> goes the way it, it might go, I don't know. It depends on how Duggan feels because yeah, he wrote an X Men book, but there was only like three characters he cared about. <laughs> 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 So yeah, maybe this time round it's not as a uh, not as fun because don't all the writers get to choose a slot as well? Like they come together and pick the team. I would imagine team. so. Yeah, because because obviously last year they were made a big like everyone was talking about who they put their hat you know their suggestions and stuff. And obviously right. last year Hickman had a choice. Probably that's why Laura and uh, Everett were even on the team in the first place. <laughs> right. Um, um. Yeah. So that's my thoughts on the team section. Um, everyone dunking on the X-Men. I think last time we were recording this, I was kind of like getting bored of it feels like they're going to lose no matter what. Like right. the, the whole movie. I feel like they're just like doing, an, not an Empire Strikes Back, but they're doing the whole like box them into a corner. So the only only things they can do is pull the Moira pin and reset everything. Or um, like have a heroic return to being just superheroes like right. what they did after after grant morrison's run where they just uh rebooted it all with is it uh astonishing x-men yeah um but i just i don't know i, I feel like the story beats that i don't need to pay off like do we care about did anyone really care about reed richards losing some memory uh, from what i remember people were happy that reed <laughs> like we <laughs> stopped med- meddling <laughs> right and yeah, and like Tony being all like, 
Well, I'm not interested in that. And then after finding out people's minds being models, he seems like up to work, not totally up to work with Orcus. It feels like they want to, like, there's ambiguity there. Of maybe he'll help them stop the mutants. Um, I hope not. I hope it. I, I, I feel like, and I have not started X yet. I'm planning to start it this week. Um, so I don't really know like, what has or hasn't been revealed in that story yet. Kind of intentionally left it till after we had a chance to to chat. Um, it definitely feels like there's conflict coming from Stark and or the Avengers, but I hope that that's separate from Orcus. Like I really, I hope those don't get like intertwined. Um, if anything, it makes the X-Men feel like even more kind of attacked or betrayed from different sides. Um, versus like everyone joining forces, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think, I think the only reason the read thing is even brought back up was to kind of the impetus for, for Stark and the other Marvel heroes would be like, wait a second. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like not as much for the fans, but actually as a plot device for, oh, for distrust. But I think, it's, I, I think it's interesting because um, even when Emma mentions like, uh, is it 16 million mutants dead and, all this stuff like where were you? Where were the? I will always remember, no matter what I you think anyone thinks of Matt Miller's uh, Civil War, but I will always remember Emma when they when they come to the X Men to help, and Emma says to Stark, "Where were you all when our children were burning?" Um, and I, I always found that a very powerful, like piece of because, in essence, the X Men, well, the mutants aren't a superhero team anymore, and they never really were in that sense. They are a, a people, and it. When when like the comic the comics play with factionalization like this, I'm always interested to be like, well, unfortunately the Avengers come across as like the 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 the, the powers that be, the the people who would stamp on on the minority voices, um, and it's like keeping your lane essentially. And that's what it always feels like when you read, when I read it in that in those terms. And it's I know it's not written in that way. Right. But like we've start we've start being like, you have this lovely thing, this technology. It's totally going to go to we don't essentially it's like this 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 diatribe of, of um a sort of like a words of wisdom warning of like it will come like it will go wrong but it, right. it it feels very much like a you've got this this new shiny thing um that we want so you stay in your lane and if you don't give it to us it will go totally wrong which feels right. like <laughs> feels like what all all of them are saying whereas i actually really enjoyed um the conversation between uh, Cap and Emma about um, Firestar, where it was about more like testing uh, people and um, whether they would be an enemy for life or a friend, um, depending on how you sort of like engage with them. In this context, it's a fight with Rogue, but like this idea of like um, you get like a, a measure of the person through a conflict and you can decide there and then whether you're going to side with them uh, for life or end up fighting with them until the end of time, sort of thing. And I thought that was a more interesting... There's, there's a lot of, like, thematic threads that um, Duggan's trying to throw at Briars, and they're not all sort of... They don't all land, but I felt that one landed quite nicely, much kind of like with um, the idea that there's... Uh, that the, the, the idea that this Quiet Council is kind of evil or twisted. Um, right. By their action, by their actions of what they've done, um, which kind of like echoes whole like people that like uh, a government can't truly be altruistic um, because it, 
even with the best intentions, you know, the whole like road to hell paved with them and such forth. And um, even in the middle of a party, uh, Xavier is like, uh, well, about the secret plan, which could be completely and utterly sinister and is completely like, but <laughs> forward is sinister, um, which is just as juxtaposed to Forge, like demanding that Cyclops apologize for telling the truth, which I found. Right. I understand why he wants the, the apology because he's put a target on the mute's back, but at the same time, it feels more like an apology for being truthful than um, for what he actually said. Um, right. Which is a nice juxtaposition to the beginning where he's worried about the fallout from the from humanity, but it seems like the fallout from Krakoa would be just as um, vicious. So, yeah, and, and it looks yeah. like it will be. So <laughs> I, I'm really curious to see how much or how that is followed up in uh, the X-Men title after this. Um, so you may have insight into that that I don't have, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they do there. Well, all I'm going to say, and this is not a spoiler, but it's an event, so we have yet to really understand anything that's going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, are, there, are, there are little nice bits, but um, it's kind of like, I don't know, X-Men, I didn't, I didn't mind the first issue after this one. But it, 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 it's that teething issue of it uh, struggling to find the, the right voice for all of the characters just before a massive event is hitting. So then it right. derails everything. And the event is... Everyone's saying it's really good. I may be disagreeing with most people there. But, um, like, it isn't bad. It's just it isn't... The X-Men don't feel like they're players of the, the same game like they're okay. not it doesn't feel like they're treated with the same importance as like the uh eternals or the avengers or maybe that's just me misstruding the, the the i don't know it all very much feels like we have to deal with the choices we made editorially when hickman was around and we need to like sort of like maybe funnel some of these ideas in a different direction and clear the slate of other ideas that we don't know what to do with. I <laughs> right. that, that's what it feels like. It, okay. it hasn't finished. It hasn't finished yet. So it might completely be. I might be completely wrong. And the core series is actually interesting in places. It's just there are some some elements and some tie-ins which is just like no, no, we can't have that anymore. Like we should should deal we should deal with that and maybe move on from those ideas. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry for spoil. It's not a spoil. Hopefully, it's not a spoil. No, spoiler. no, I, that's pretty, pretty general. So, but um, yeah, I do like one thing though. The whole rate of Kokura rests on Emma's shoulders now, and that she has to. It feels like she's going through the leader of the book, like the council. I hope so. Yeah, with with with, with the way it's going, and um, <laughs> with with Xavier and Eric basically no longer in the picture <laughs> um right so yeah so again i know we're, we're playing a little bit with um house money here because most listeners will probably read quite a bit ahead of this but um what i'm kind of hoping to see from this is you know we know what happened with krakoa so moira obviously has jumped full full supervillain um, Eric or Magneto has kind of moved over to X Men Red almost 
and what I'm hoping and what is looking like will probably be a re, an, yet another, I know, I know, as I'm saying this, what again, but like a pretty good redemptive arc for his part in Krakoa. Like, I feel like he may come out of this, you know, stronger and better. Um, I'm hoping what where we end up is as Krakoa inevitably crumbles, is that we see Emma come out leading kind of the remnant of mutant dumb to the next phase and Xavier kind of falling by the wayside a little bit. So I don't know. We'll see how much of that is right or wrong, but that's kind of what I'm looking for is Emma kind of stepping even further into the spotlight as almost like the de facto figurehead of mutant dumb, um, which I think is, she's earned and is due. So hopefully we'll, we'll see something of that flavor. Um, you know, moving out of this, I again, have no idea what acts will do to all of that, but yeah, and that's kind of what I'm, what I'm hoping for. So I feel, I feel like you maybe solve. I've obviously read ahead. So it feels like, like I'm just like this weird time traveler. Um, right. <laughs> um, but like, uh, the thing is I've read these books, but because they're not not a lot of them caught my attention, I kind of like a lot of the like main elements sort of dripped off. Um, and I, I feel like um, with that with that in mind, um, I feel like Immortal uh, has a certain set of players. Uh, Gillen wants to play with Sinister Destiny um, as the as possibly the like the main conflict of that book, uh, and I feel like. Um, with Sinister and Destiny being sort of like uh, the two parts of the two players of that main series, I, I feel like um, he he's because right now he he's right like in AVX, um, AV, I say AVX because I've just hit Avengers vs X Men in, in what I'm reading with Wolverine and oh. X-Men. Oh. <laughs> but, um, with, with acts um, with the front covers the front covers show an individual character each issue and. Lo and behold, each of you is focused on that individual character, and I feel like he, Gillen is interested in all of the council, but there was cl- there's like a clear sense that Xavier may be there, but he may just be wallpaper. Like he's not like whereas Magneto's got a massive role to play in X Men Red. I feel like uh, they've decided well, maybe whoever has decided to editorial whatever have decided maybe Charles needs to take a step back or that we need to remove. Uh, Charles and the helmet away from like the iconography of Kokoa so that things can move forward because he was very much the figurehead of um, the Hickman era and the first right. like couple of years so this time maybe different people should step in which is the whole point isn't it like um, when they get revealed in Inferno that different people should step in the limelight and also there's other storylines that need to like be paid off like isn't Colossus being mind controlled by the Russians or something um which is like a he's like a sleeper agent, and then there's the whole idea of um, uh, the council dissolving, maybe. And then obviously there's sinister, and there's clearly going to be like a massive Mister Sinister event coming in like February or something. So, right. Which which Marvel has just already decided to just advertise on everything. Um, <laughs> so. There's no surprises going forward. Um, it's just, and um, I just feel like a lot of the characters are getting sort of shortchanged. I feel like 
uh, Nightcrawler, although I love that he's the head of a book, I feel like he's in the wrong book now. And that he'd be, he'd, he'd do more, Gillen could do more with him as a focal member of the council than as like a, a glorified policeman. Yeah. Is now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of heavy ideas in, is it Legion of X, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they all correlate to be interesting enough to like warrant a story around them. Um, that's really mean to say. I just don't think they're. No, they're I, have... I, I feel I'm kind of in the same place. There's some, some pretty cool high concept there. I, I struggle to feel the why. Right, like you know, every this is Denise will be proud of me because when they talk about branding and stuff, you always have to know, like, yeah, there's what you do, but why? And I feel like you know, every good comic story or, or arc should have like, why is this going on? What's the importance? What's the connection? Um, and I feel like uh, Locke's early Gen of X has, has some really cool concepts, some pretty art at times, but I'm just having trouble seeing. It almost feels too disconnected from everything else that's going on. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. you. You're right, and I feel like um, Knights of X. Um, although, like, it, it has been, it's been, it's over now. I believe Teeny Howard said there's more stories to be told with um, Betsy. Um, so I don't. I'm like, do we need another other world, other world book, or are we just going to get like a Captain Brun book? Where Betsy's right. the star, which I think is what's needed, because since Excalibur's inception, Betsy was promoted as like the head, the figurehead, the the, the 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 main star of that book, and she never really was for such a long time. And I feel like it just needs to, um, like if if we're going forward, if Teeny Howard decides to go forward with Betsy and Rachel and all of that jazz, it, maybe it should just be a Captain Britain book, and maybe just maybe not be attached to the X Men. Uh, right. Like the Cronia, because there were, if everyone remembers, there were X books that didn't like, like Excalibur, that didn't care for the rest of the X universe and just went and did its own. Yeah, and they, they only kind of came back for the for the events. <laughs> so exactly. So you know, I, I I feel like I don't know. I feel like there needs to be a like sort of a, a more cohesive because everyone's run into space. No one like nothing. Nothing feels like it has a has a, um, a a mission statement. Like they when they originally were all set out, they all seem to have a mission statement. Even like the right. newer books, even the books when people didn't didn't like like X Factor, they all had a mission statement. Like a, a, a this is this side of Krakoa. This is what we're doing with this. And um, only really Wolverine and <laughs> X Force have like kept their like identities. Right. Um, and with a, a, um, Axe, I keep trying to say AVX, um, with Axe um, appearing right just after uh, some of these new books were established, it just feels like it's, it's just derailed um, a lot of the, the the sort of ideas. And I generally think uh, Marauders, which was rebranded as like a, the going back to the original mission, all of a sudden it's like we're going into space and we're going to go deep dive into all this really like crazy Shia um, mythology stuff and have Cassandra Nova like befriend a symbiont spoilers um, so, um, 
it's really weird and I, I i really do like steve orlando as a writer usually i just don't, i i'm not gelling with modern all and the art is just not not working for me no yeah, it's been my least favorite of the of the rain book so far and we've meandered um away from hell the hellfire hellfire Gala, which ironically is kind of how i feel about all the x books they just me they're just meandering <laughs> you know Awesome. Well, I'll bring us back home. So my notes, um, my summary of the book is kind of going to sound like a lot of stuff you've already said. So I said, uh, mostly good art, mostly fun, but a whole lot of, and then this pacing um, and hundreds of tiny little setups uh, feels like the modern day event epilogue, which is really just teasing the next event. Um, and I, I gave the issue. I think there was enough that I enjoyed Visually, and you mentioned earlier, too, just a lot of the side conversations. I had enough fun with it. I'm giving it a generous. Because it probably only deserves three, but I'm going to give it four out of six claws. Ooh, um, to be honest, I was actually... Um, like, reading through... I actually read through it again before the podcast. And reading through it again, I liked it a little bit more than when I first read it. Because when I first read it, I sort of just rolled my eyes at the fact that it was just... Because um, it always it reminds me of that is it Secret Invasion where the dust settles and Norman Osborn walks into a room and it's just like a setup for another <laughs> right. thing. Um, it just felt like Emma walks into another part of the gala and there's another <laughs> there's another story to be had. Right. Um, yeah, I probably um, I probably would settle on Thor as well to be fair because there's enough fun conversations that it kind of works. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, so we'll jump over then to Immortal X-Men number four. This is um, part four, Diamonds Are Forever, written by Karen Gillen, art by Michelle Bandini, colors by David Curiel, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, uh, Mueller and Bowen with the design, Mark Brooks with the cover. Um, and this cover basically has Emma in a giant red bedsheet. I, I think it's a nice cover. It's a little witch blady for my taste, but overall, it's a pretty good cover. What do you think? I really like it. Again, Matt Brooks, um, great, fun cover. Well, great artist. Um, yeah. I see. I see the witch blade because the um, the little one hand, the little one diamond yeah. hand. Yeah. But I do really like it. I think um, a lot of his Immortal X Men covers have been great, and I do they have. Um, do enjoy this whole like sea of red that she's um. Yeah, like all the little folds like. This probably took forever to draw. <laughs> yeah. So it does look like it pain no unnecessarily pains like unnecessarily complicated. Right. Right. But kinda of worth it. So um all right, cool. Well um in this one, focusing on Emma, which what you alluded to a minute ago, Immortal X Men kind of uh puts someone on the cover and focuses on them or makes them the narrator for the issue. Um, so this one's on Emma. Um, she reveals that the Cyclops just, or she reveals the Cyclops discovery of sinister stasis to the Quiet Council. Um, our sinister hears the news, panics, and runs. There's a lot of fighty fight stuff, but he's ultimately kidnapped by a mysterious force, and that's really kind of it. <laughs> that's actually true. That's actually true. Um... Weird thing to start with, but I absolutely really love the color work. There's like a weird, um, is it pastel esque sort of like a almost like yeah. um, 
very soft colors. Yeah, and it's they're like sort of great. The gradient of it all um, is really nicely blended. And I just generally um, think it looks really nice uh, throughout, and everyone's got some really great. Uh, Sebastian Shaw looking completely into the sort of rolling his eyes um, in the in the council and such. Mm-hmm. There's some great character acting um, with pencils, which is always a good thing. I, I, I love Bandini. I like Bandini quite a bit. So. They're, they're such a great sort of, and the, the sinister reveal with the 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 club instead of the diamond on his forehead and such forth. Um, the dialogue, I'll be honest with you, I really enjoy the dialogue. Uh, Gillen's like knocking most of it out of the park. His whole like sinister little monologue while he's about to pull the trigger on Moira um, when he's talking about destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I enjoyed it um, a lot, and I do really like how he handles Emma and like the whole concept of her staying diamond while she sleeps and such. Forth. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think this is a, a really strong. It has at least it's a tie-in that has consequences because it has nothing really to do with the Hellfire Gala apart from sort of at the beginning, but right. like just the consequence of that that one story beat of Scott showing Emma that uh, message. Uh, or what he um, has witnessed. I generally just think, uh, like, the creation of a new sinister uh, personality, all of it's just fun. And, like, the ending being just like, boop, he's gone. Um, <laughs> but, it, like, nothing really happens, but, uh, like, a lot of character work is there, and I, I appreciate that, and I think it's a really strong uh, issue of Walt Lexman. Yeah, I do, too. Um so I had a couple of things I wanted to just mention. I wanted to get your thoughts on. So, you know, there's kind of a couple of stories about, um, you know, kind of the medicine and, and stuff. Like, you know, the whole there's a guy that throws blood on Emma's costume because they wouldn't save or resurrect uh, his father. Um, there's also a story about someone committing suicide with MGH a mutant growth hormone in hopes of being resurrected. Uh, they thought, hey, if I turn myself into a mutant and die, then I'll come back as that mutant all the, like as always. And it's kind of just like a, an, an off story that you don't really see anything. It's just a conversation. Uh, but I thought to myself, you know, this was like 1995 X-Men. This would have been like that little snippet would have been like a whole issue and I would have been totally there for it. <laughs> you are, you are actually right. If it was like, um, or even uh, Morrison's Morrison's X Men, you'd have seen like at least like five panels dedicated to the guy like committing suicide at least. Um, right. Very gratuitous. I think that's like almost like a, a, a comment on how desensitized everyone is to everything. Right. Um, yeah. I think those ideas are way more interesting than this book gives them room to be. Right. Um, but then I think Gillen sometimes does that. Like if, like in Wicked and Divine, there'll be he he will drop uh, ideas about the people who worship the gods in Wicked and Divine, and he won't like he he just drops these like sentences, um, but never like expands upon like but i think also at the time at the same time it's i suppose show uh tell don't show can also be as powerful as show don't tell right sometimes so yeah 
I think there's an aspect to it of of world building, right? Because that's kind of how life is, right? Like there's some pretty heavy and important shit that goes through our world that for my story, it's just a scroll across the bottom of a news channel, right? Um, but for someone else, that's, that's their whole life story, right? Like, you know, I think that's just kind of when you're building a fictional world, it's kind of cool to have these things that are these huge, big stories, but they're not part of your story that you're telling. Um, but you reference them. And I think it also it lays the foundation. If he ever wants to go back to it, then he has this kind of cool germ for a story that he can come back and pick up, or he can just ignore it forever. And that's kind of, I don't know, that is something, Gillen is really good at that. It's definitely something he does a lot. Um, I think it does make the world feel richer, even if there are times. It really depends on what the line is, right? It may be something he drops and they're like, okay, I'm cool. That happened. I don't really need to know anymore. And there's some things just my personal preference of what I want to read. Like, oh, I'd like to see more of that, you know, and and you don't. But that's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of the interesting thing about the way Galen writes. Um, so I appreciate that for sure. And also, if you think about it, it's immediately followed by like the reactions of several members of the council. Of like, and the, it sort of flavors the council even more. Like, even it, it's like Xavier doesn't. He just he would usually be very compassionate about such, or empathetic at least about such things. And he's just almost dismissive about it. And only Kurt sort of jumps forward as like we should really empathize with the situation. Right. Whereas of Exodus is like, do we care about the humans? And even Shaw just like, well, it's bad PR. No matter what we, <laughs> right? If, if we care or not, it's still bad. For you. Like this, very different. It allows us, allows us, allows us to flavor. Um, because even Mystique throws like uh, rather than comment on the what's happening, she much like Mystique off, often does. She throws dissent in the ranks. Um, she stares the pot by like calling out her son rather than like right. Um, you know what I mean? So like like it's pretty strong of her to be like should you even be on the council because you use the word humanity um it's they're all like um interesting facets it's a, it's a great way of quickly showing how how these characters are when it comes to these like essentially horrific things that happen that humans are doing <laughs> um to try and right. like, get resurrected um so yeah it's, it's an interesting way to go about it yeah, I agree. So we are in the podcast of Ghost Nick. So I do, I do need to mention, and it literally has no bearing on the story at all. But when um, the patron does throw blood on Emma's costume, Logan is the bouncer. So there's our our obligatory Wolverine panel <laughs> for the podcast of Ghost Nick. Um, yeah, so I, th- I feel like we both really like this issue. I guess, Dan, how much did you like it? I don't think it's a six. I'm going to lay on a five. Um, okay, me too. Yep. I also had five out of six claws. I was close, but I, I really can't even put my finger on why exactly it's not. It just didn't, I don't know, something about it felt five felt right. <laughs> so. Awesome. We're going to go ahead and jump over then to Amazing Spider-Man number nine or Legacy 903. Um, this is written by Zeb Wells, uh, art by Patrick Gleason, colors by Marcio Minez, um, letters by VC Joe Caramagna, 
and the cover is by John Romina Jr., Scott Hanna, and Marcio Menez. Um, all right, so shh, don't tell Georgie. But starting <laughs> around issue three, I'm actually I, I was I was with him at first. I was like, yeah, I don't really like modern JRJR. Um, not really very excited he's on this book. But starting around issue three with more of the tombstone focus, I've actually been enjoying it a little more. But that aside, I do not care for this cover. Um, we have a silhouetted leg. We have a new Spider-Man costume and Wolverine going more bub um, in in a background of, of smoke and fire. And, and I don't know. I just don't really like the figure work on it very much. What, what are your thoughts on the cover? I, for some reason, I, I quite like Wolverine. Like, I like the coloring of Wolverine. Okay. I think Spider, Spider looks horrible. Um <laughs> Like I don't is that his costume going for I haven't I have not read Amazing Spider Man. <laughs> like, oh, okay, well I was gonna ask you what you thought of this run, but I guess that answers that. <laughs> I, I, I I actually didn't I, I read the first issue and actually didn't mind it and like I didn't mind um I don't think he's I didn't wasn't fully on board uh with JRJR. I like to say that. Um but I was like I'm I'm down. But I really enjoyed Beyond. Like I totally enjoyed I Beyond. And I Reread Beyond and the end of Beyond infuriates me, no end, <laughs> and so it just makes me go, no, I don't want to carry on. Um, so the only Spider book I've been reading is Miles, and now that's finished. So um, right, but it's but, getting it's getting a reboot, right? I mean, someone else is taking yeah. over. Yeah. yeah, someone else is taking over, and it it, it ended on forty two because obviously it's the number of the Spider that bit Miles, and it was all planned to end then and there. So. It feels like at least it's ended on, a, on its own terms, unlike right. uh, unlike, unlike Spider Woman, which was really fun superhero comics, and I just got canned after. You know what I mean? I understand. Yeah, nothing that one sold very well. <laughs> but yeah. um, I, know, I know money has to be made, but it always depresses me. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I might go back. I'm just looking at this costume. And I'm like, what? What happened? And then obviously, I read the the blurb. Of like previously on Spider-Man, I'm like, so he works for Osborn now? Yeah, um, but only for like one issue. I mean, that like, literally happened in number eight. So, all oh, right, this, okay. <laughs> I was just like, that ch- things changed since number one. <laughs> yeah. So, and this costume is a costume that Osborn designed um, to help protect him, uh, and he's kind of recovering so it's uh like a spider goblin costume almost um because even those little those little globes on his arm i don't think you see in this issue in the previous issue he he throws it kind of like a pumpkin bomb and all these like nano spiders like come out of it and like attack vulture's face (laughs) wow is he um so he's recovering from what happened to him in beyond then is that well from beyond and i guess in between so emotionally from beyond and then physically, whatever the story was that kicked off the new arc that we're still learning about, whatever horrible thing happened, I guess kind of beat the shit out of him physically as well. So he's just kind of, you know, kind of putting himself back together. And of course, Beyond also roughed him up pretty bad physically as well. I mean, he's in a coma in the hospital and all that. So, yeah, he's he's Peter's been through the ringer for sure. Um, and, and, and Peter hasn't learned not to trust major supervillains. <laughs> um, to, to to redesign his costume, like that's the thing that he has yet to to not do. 
Um, right, right. No, he just he just takes costumes willy nilly. Oh, you made me a suit. Awesome! I can't wait to wear it. I just love that it's Osborn of all of the villains. <laughs> every villain, I feel like, isn't the Green Goblin supposed to be like his greatest nemesis? I know everyone in the nineties part was Venom, but isn't like isn't Osborn yeah. his greatest enemy? Um, he is. He is. And, no. and Peter has he's hesitant, but the whole like. Um, so I think the line that gets him, and I think it actually relates to one of the better um, Harry Osborne stories of the 90s. Um, but there's there's the part, because, you know, now, Norman right now is the post-Sin Eater story, so he always, quote-unquote, bad parts have been expunged. <laughs> but he still remembers. And so he, he I think the, the line that he hooks Peter with is, I don't want to get back on a glider because I'm afraid if I do, I'll never get off and I'll turn back into the, to him. And that's when Peter decides to help him, like, stay on the straight and narrow. And then, you know, when Norman hires him, he's like, oh, by the way, I also brought you this cool suit. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. So that's kind of kind of that story. So, Dan and the listeners, that's, that catches you up. <laughs> I don't even know. Is that what the whole um – that whole golden glider thing. Yes, yes. For those of you reading your solicits, um, the golden glider is going to be Norman embracing his hero persona. He's kind of been just standing on the sidelines, not knowing how to move forward um, with his past, but also how he feels now. Um, so I guess the golden goblin is going to be like good goblin. Well, I follow the um, guy who does the front covers for Miles, who also did the front cover for the Golden Golden thing. Um, okay. We all remember the last time he was a hero that led down like a very dark path. Right. <laughs> well, I suppose he wasn't really a hero, was he? He was just like a delusional. No, you're just pretending. Yeah. Who wore a, a Captain America and Iron Man suit? Um, I do love Dark Avengers, though. That was a great book. It was. <laughs> anyway, anyway, sorry, I've si- I'm sidetracked because I'm like, I should probably catch up on this Spider-Man story. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would. Because I, I was ready to be let down after Beyond. But I, I think Zeb Wells is just really connecting me to this arc. So even where the, the art has been a little up and down, though not on this issue, I, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But um, I know Zeb Wells is just riding the hell out of Spider-Man for the last year or so. So, all right. So, um, in this issue, uh, after the gala, as promised, we see Wolverine and Spidey rescue MJ, but Moira escapes to Axe, and MJ spurns Peter's attempts at reconciliation. And there's a lot of really fun dialogue and action between all that, but that's that's your gist. Yep, that's basically what happened. What do you uh, What do you think of the art in this one? Oh my god! So I'm a massive. I I love uh, Patrick Gleason. So uh, his pages just sing. But to be honest, um, they all kind of like um, because it's um, like three artists on this one. Or four? Is it? It's quite a lot of it's quite a lot of artists, isn't they on this one? Or am I just going crazy? No, I think it's yeah. no. It's just Gleason. Matthew does pencils and inks. Ah, right. That makes sense. I'm going crazy. But no, um, I generally feel like it's got some of the most beautiful, like, sort of ridiculous art. Like, Gateway looks amazing. Um, yes. Generally. Um, 
the action the action panels uh, and at least Gleeton makes this suit look less stupid. Um, yeah. So I love the eyes, uh, the yellow tinted eyes, and the way he like talks to Wolverine and Wolverine looking all burly and bloody and stuff. There's a panel where he's, <laughs> like Spidey's like, in Wolverine's face, um, and like his I think Wolverine's like not just me, her too, and he's like what. And I just really love like all the panels leading up to that, and just the whole like psychic conversation and the two talking heads, and it's just a really beautiful book. And to yes. be honest, Wolverine and Spidey are always fun um, to read when done in a great way. Um, I agree. Yeah, they're they're a good buddy buddy um, pairing. Um, and I love, like, like Gleason, like, Logan um, at the gala. Like, Gleason makes him look like just a runty, hairy ape, <laughs> which I kind of like. Um, yeah. I do like that at the end, though. The only thing for me is at the end, um, um, it's probably because I've been watching She-Hulk, and I think Zeb Wells wrote the most recent issue um, episode of She-Hulk, actually. Oh, really? Um, pretty sure I was his name. But um, Mary Jane kind of looks like she's just... Um, transform from being because of all the ripped um, dress and stuff, and the way like she ca- like the body's been carried um, as Gleason has drawn it. I generally was like, is she hulked out? Or like, <laughs> she, she, like I like the fact that she looks kind of built and right. Pete's kind of tiny um, compared right. to her without heels. I was like, that's a that's a good look. Um, but generally, uh, the only thing I don't understand and will never understand now is anything to do with Moira. So, like, when Myra goes full, um, she looks like the creature from Species, but as a robot uh, at the end. Um, that just, I was like, what is that? And why is that <laughs> happening? Um, and just everything else is, I'm enjoying this, but I was just like, the whole Myra thing might as well just um, disappear. I feel right. it's, just a bit, it's a bit too much, um, I think. And it, it looks great, but it looks like. Uh... Gleason drawing Danger, which is funny because Danger's been the villain in the Wolverine solo book. So it's like, okay, he's fought a lot of like female robot, female Terminators lately. <laughs> as if the, I haven't read Wolverine, in a, I, I haven't read a couple of issues of Wolverine, as if, and I'm just like, oh, Danger is such a great sort of like anti-hero. It's a shame that yeah. um, the idea that she's turned evil. Oh well, I'll get, I'll get to it. Um, okay. <laughs> but no, I actually really enjoyed the issue to be honest. It's both issue, both Little Immortal uh, were actually way better than the um, Gala itself. Yes, I agree. I actually gave this one a six out of six claws. I think I might join you because it is quite looking through it again. I, I had a lot of fun reading it, um, even not knowing that uh, Pete decided to take uh, a costume off another serial killer. <laughs> um, I, I I quite enjoyed like the whole thing. Also had like a vibe of um, is it uh, McFarlane? Because oh god, I read McFarlane was it last year? McFarlane's Spidey Lizard Wolverine story. Um, is it the Lizard? I can't remember. But um, Spidey uh, and... Wendigo. Ah, it's the... yes, it is the Wendigo. But yeah, Spidey Wolverine story, which is always fun. Um, and there was just like a, a like sort of a weird. I was having weird nostalgic flashbacks from last year. Yeah. Um, from reading it that, also reminded know. me of the uh, Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine little miniseries 
And Adam uh, Taylor Drew. Actually, does Zeb Wells write that? Hold on. Or is it Jim Zeb? I think it was Zeb Wells that wrote that. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and but it feels very similar to that in tone. Um, I mean, yeah. No, I just there's a, some standout art. Uh, you mentioned the the panel where Spidey gets in Wolvie's face. There's the one where Spidey, Spidey literally is making. He's speaking of McFarlane, a McFarlane pose where his like head is down and his legs are like completely split, but his arms are like <laughs> like his arms are vertical and his legs are horizontal. Like it's just a great panel. Wolverine looks awesome there. Um, you know, you see a Wolverine claw like pop out of a a hel- guy's helmet. Um, pops out of the floor. Um, Poor Greyco, great. I cannot. Why cannot do two R's in that name? Poor Greyco, I think is going to have to get resurrected. Um, but then the one where Spidey says, "I got you, MJ," and he's there's like webs all around him, and he's throwing his little goblin balls. Um, just I don't know. Just the art is so killer. The story is so much fun. I just I don't know how I could give this less, but well, hopefully, um. It carries on and Cleveland stays on the book for a little bit longer. This wasn't the whole point of him coming over with to draw Spider Man. Um, so. Right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well Yeah, I think, you know, I'm glad you enjoyed the gala a little more the second time around. I thought it was fine, but yeah, uh, immortal and amazing were definitely probably the highlights of this episode. Um but yeah. Dan, thanks so much for coming on and helping me celebrate 10 years. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, again, uh, congratulations on um, a decade's worth of Wolverine. Um, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, Dan, where can people find you? Um, well, I should plug us. Um, so at Excalibur's one on Twitter is um, where you'll find our podcast uh twitter and uh www.podbean.com forward slash oscalibers is where you'll find the episodes um if you want to follow georgie and see his shenanigans um it's at jokey georgie on twitter and i don't usually do this um but i'm at gizmo 151183 on um twitter and as an honorary mention because he's sometimes with us excaliburs Yes. The boyfriend, the boyfriend Ian. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at um, Bakura Builds because uh, he builds Gunpla a lot, and um, he sometimes posts on there. I don't think any of us have been that active on any of the things that I've mentioned. Well, <laughs> 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 we life has got in the way. Um, for right. The, yeah. But I believe me and Georgie are recording a new episode of Excalibur soon. We have been very lax, but it's okay because everyone's still recovering from whatever trauma that 2020 did to us. Um, <laughs> right. And all the other stuff. Uh is becoming, like, um, it's like, I don't know, is it fame? I don't know. I'm, I'm not on the L.A. comedy scene, so I don't know how famous it is. But he he's seems very, good, he's, he's getting very a lot well. more work, yes. He, do, he definitely seems yeah. to be succeeding in what he's trying to do. I, I know that any type of pursuit like that is baby steps but man i've been so proud to watch him just kind of continue to to take those steps and get closer to what he's trying trying to do and wants to do so george we missed you tonight but 
you know, definitely go check out his stuff. Go check out his comedy. Um, he's he's a he's a great great friend and a funny guy. So, love you, Georgie. It is he is awesome, and it's great to see how far um, in such a short time as well. Um, from whereas I just work nights instead, so it's very hard to schedule life uh, <laughs> around everything. Um, yes, um, I think that's it. You can find us by just putting Excalibur into Google, and it's not just a Destiny uh, meme anymore. Apparently, it's, like, <laughs> it's a meme from the Destiny video game, uh, but now we come up instead. Um, so that's awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, while we're celebrating, you know, we're celebrating 10 years of my podcast, but, you know, Ian, who's also been on the show to talk about some of the Hawksbox books with us, uh, just celebrated a pretty big milestone in his life. So, Ian, if you're listening, congratulations again. Um, very, very proud of you and, you know, appreciate getting to chat with you when we can get those opportunities and yeah, just a lot, a lot going on, but, um, I mean, I guess maybe just a final thought for me, if I can, um, been a crazy kind of 10 years. I would never have thought in for one second when I started this that I would be doing it this long. Um, but really the reason I keep doing it is because of friends I've met along the way um, that I would never have met outside of this podcast. And you know, if, if, if the only thing it does is continue to open those, those friendships and doors, then it's worth it to me. Um, but hopefully, you know, you're enjoying the episodes as well. Uh, and if you at least have continued to listen to, to make it stay afloat and, you know, as I got, kind of get back on schedule, I just want to thank everyone who has listened or interacted over the last 10 years. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, I love all you guys. So um, just kind of catch up where we are, the traditional plugs. Um, you can like the Wolverine podcast at Ghost Nick Facebook page. Uh, Twitter is at Snickcast. We're also on Podbean at snickcast.podbean.com. Um, and yeah, I don't know what we'll do next, but we'll keep trucking along and... I, I'm not going to promise another 10 years, but, you know, we'll keep going as long as I feel like it. <laughs> well, I think I think um, I, I don't want to speak for everyone that's ever been on your podcast or has interacted, but I think it's been a, a, an amazing experience for all of us to, to for you to welcome us, not just to a podcast, but kind of to your family as well. And just like this really lovely sort of experience that you have. You, you're so warm and charming and all of you are lovely, even the little... And just like we've grown up, your kids have grown up with us in a sense. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of like, it's just cute to have like, I remember like Ollie and that interrupting because they were like needing diapers changing and now they speak. Right. It, it's right. such a crazy um, world we live in. But like you've allowed um, the listeners and us guests to like be a part of your family journey as well. And to be honest, anyone that can uh, rack lyrical about, um, uh, a, a midget from uh, Canada with razor sharp claws and make it sound like he's a viable character. Um, <laughs> it's quite impressive. Um, uh, I've made no uh, qualms in saying he's not my favorite X-Man. So, um, right. But it's always been a joy and a pleasure to listen to all of your um, work. And I think uh, you've kind of like uh, been the glue to a lot of us um as a as a group of like comic book fans like uh, me and georgie and such forth definitely we I, i'd say i owe you uh, a debt of gratitude for keeping us all together in the podcasting 
community. Is oh. that a word? So um, thank you for 10 years. Even though I haven't been there for the whole 10 years, yeah, I still thank you. have been there for a, a good chunk of it. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, thank you. And um, I would gladly listen to 10 more years. So um, Awesome. Well, thank obviously, you, Dan. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Obviously, if you can't speak and you get too old, then we'll, we'll, just, have to, <laughs> we'll, we'll just have to get someone to replace you. Right. Um, yeah. Or resurrect you. Um, oh, there I'm, we go. There we go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll make sure my backup is in either Cerebro or Scarlet Witch's uh, imagination. So. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all very, very much. And we will talk again soon. Everyone, please stay well and safe out there. And until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye. And snacked.